What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sean Jones NBA Show. I'm recording this on Friday, February 23rd. Last night was the first night of games. So the NBA is back in action after the All-Star break. We had about a week off, and the festivities over the weekend were a little uneventful, but we're not going to talk about that today. (laughs) Uh, For today's episode, I'm going to do contender tiers for every team in the league uh, post-All-Star break. So sample size is as big as it's going to get in terms of the season to this point. Um, And we really have a pretty good idea in terms of what teams look like now. So with that said, I'm going to tier off all 30 teams um, into tiers based on where I think they stand as a contender to win the championship this season. So with that said, let's get right into it. So for these tiers, I just want to preface. This is not a ranking of who has had the best season. This is not supposed to mirror what the standings look like this is not what team would I rather be for the next three years this is not how does this team look currently right now this is strictly an exercise to evaluate where teams stand in terms of winning the championship this season so there might be a team that I think has a a higher floor than another team. Maybe I think they have a better chance of making the second round than another team. But that other team might have a better chance to make a run. They might have a higher ceiling, a better chance to make the finals and maybe win the whole thing. So that will be reflected um, as such in these tiers. So I just want to preface that there's probably going to be some teams that you're going to think, why is this team ahead of this team? Have you seen them play at all this season? Because... We're talking about the postseason. This is strictly for the postseason. Which team do I think has a better chance to make a deep run in the playoffs this year? So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the bottom feeders of the league. The The first tier I have is the teams that have tankathon.com bookmarked. Uh, and these are the <laughs> bottom feeders of the league. The Detroit Pistons, the Washington Wizards, the San Antonio Spurs, the Portland Trailblazers, the Charlotte Hornets, and the Memphis Grizzlies. These are the teams in the NBA with the six worst record in the NBA right now. So they have the six top six odds in terms of lottery um, percentages to get the top pick in the draft this year. And look, the Pistons have eight wins. The Wizards have nine. The Spurs have 11. The Hornets have 14. Uh, Portland has 15 and Memphis has 20. So these teams have been really, really bad. There's going to uh, three of them don't even have winning percentages of 20% and are on pace to win less than 20 games this whole season. Um, and the Hornets were right there with them before their current <laughs> hot streak they've been on. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these. They've all been a mess. The Wizards and Blazers get a bit of a pass because this is the first year of their rebuild. Of course, they're going to be bad. They should want to be bad. They're doing it right uh, the Pistons have just been an utter disaster in terms of management of their rotations, the front office moves they've made. Monty Williams has done an awful job. Their players have just not progressed the way that you maybe would have hoped a lot of them would. Um, and they keep making moves that are just not making them better in the short term or the long term. San Antonio, Wemby's been great, but the rest of this roster sucks. Anyone who before the season said this was a great landing spot for him, 
I'm not sure what you're basing that off of because they had the worst supporting cast of any team in the whole league, and they still do outside of Wemby, in my opinion. Devin Vassell is really the only guy on the roster I have any hopes to be a high-level starter on a good team. I'm not a huge Sohan fan. Trey Jones is clearly a backup, and Keldon Johnson has just stagnated. He is what he is, and he's probably best suited for a uh, roll off the bench. Memphis, this is kind of a blessing in disguise year for them. I've said this in the past, but they get to reset. They're going to get a, a high draft pick. They've found some diamonds in the rough in Vince Williams Jr., Gigi Jackson, guys that probably can be really high-impact bench players for this team next year. Um, they've got pieces to add players as well in the offseason, and they will have a high draft pick. So I think this is a kind of a best-case scenario for them, given the job was going to be out for a good portion of the season anyway. Obviously, now he's out for the year, so um, no like, no hate on Memphis. I mean, it, <laughs> the amount of injuries they've had is pretty impossible to overcome. Then Charlotte, they're in a weird spot. I mean, they've, they've had some good draft picks recently. I mean, uh, Brandon Miller looks like a the absolute right pick at the number two overall slot in this past year's draft. LaMelo continues to not be durable and not play. So they did finally a good job of trading off some guys in PJ Washington, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier. So they appear to be headed in the right direction, which is selling off veterans to hopefully get younger and acquire more assets. So we'll see. Um, I don't hate, hate where they're at just in terms of the talent they have on the roster and they've got all of their picks and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, these six teams, they are completely irrelevant to the season at this point. None of them have shown really even flashes of being good or entertaining or frisky, whatever you want to have it. So that tier is uh, a sad tier, but a necessary tier for a lot of teams that want to go through a rebuild. Next, we have two teams, bad but frisky. The Houston Rockets and the Utah Jazz. Both of these teams a little better than maybe you would have expected this season. Utah did uh, the same thing last year, got off to a really good start, then kind of hovered around 500 for a while before uh, trickling off at the end of the season. They've done a little bit of that this year. They didn't start quite as hot, but they did have a nice little streak on there. They're now 26 and 31. Houston's uh, similar. They're 24 and 31. So, again, not the best record. They've fallen off a little bit, but they did start hot. But both these teams have shown flashes. They both are clearly past the let's bottom out and tank part of whatever rebuild they both were collectively going through and they are tough teams you know you you see them on the schedule and you're not necessarily going to write in a easy w um, even if you're a good team at this point um houston i've i've loved what i've seen out of them just because they've been so good defensively uh yudoka has really gotten the most out of them on that end and shangun is one of my favorite players in the league i'm super high on him He's a little mini Nikola Jokic, um, and he's still super young. So I, I think they've got a really bright future. I think the Van Vliet and Brooks signings have proved to be really good signings just because they weren't super long-term commitments, at least on Van Vliet's front. Um, and they've just helped bring more adults into the room. They've massively helped them on the defensive end, and they've shown that maybe Jalen Green shouldn't be part of this team's future. And I, I think that that's probably the correct analysis at this point. I'm not a huge green guy. I don't love what he does. He's still a terrible defender. He's inefficient on offense. He doesn't have super good basketball IQ on that end. Poor shot selection at times. Doesn't um, give his full effort all the time. But 
now that Shangun has emerged, they have guys like Van Vliet. I still really like the Jabari Smith fit next to Shangun offensively, at least. Uh, and I think he's going to still be a really solid player. But they are still a piece away. You know, they're not they're not going to make the play in. They don't have no shot at the playoffs. Uh, but this was a good, encouraging season for them because they also um, owe picks to Oklahoma City from the Chris Paul Russell Westbrook trade. So they have no incentive to be bad. So um, they're going to look to keep adding, I think, whether that be for uh, the next star that becomes available or just more pieces around the edges like Van Vliet and. Uh, Brooks like they did this past offseason. But I like where Houston's headed. I think Udoka's probably one of the 5'10 best coaches in the NBA. And they've got their cornerstone offensive star in Shangun, and he's only going to continue to get better. The Jazz, on the other hand, I think their roster, I like it a little less. It's kind of more of like a hodgepodge of misfit toys with like Sexton and um, Clarkson and John Collins and... Um, Kessler has been not quite as maybe as good as people would have hoped this year, just based on his breakout last year, but still solid. And he's going to be a really good player. Markinen is having a comparably good season to we had last year. Could have easily made the all-star game this season. Um, but he's, he's getting in there's mid to late twenties. So he's a guy that they might either want to consider moving soon, or they got to start consolidating some of their assets to win around him. Cause now they're going to, probably stay in this 12 to 10 seed range for a while if they don't make any moves um, just because I don't think they have the a guy with the same kind of star potential as a Shangun for example and then they also have a lot of veterans to sell I mean they've traded some over the past few years but it's a weird roster um, Keontae George has looked really good for them in recent weeks especially so he might be a, a building block for them, and maybe the future is him and Kessler and Markkinen. But I, I, like I said, Markkinen is definitely a lot older than those guys. Kessler and um, George are in their very early 20s. Markkinen's in the mid-20s, getting up to almost late 20s soon. So I don't know if the timeline fits exactly. I don't know what their plan is. they got a million picks, though, from Minnesota, as well as all their own picks. You know how Danny Ainge goes. He likes to compile assets and go big fish hunting eventually or eventually. So we'll see what they do, but they're frisky again. They've got enough talent and they're really well coached as well. Uh, Will Hardy is a, a, maybe the next big thing in terms of young coaches. Uh, once he gets a little bit more talent and structure on the roster and a, a roster that kind of fits together a little bit better. They've just got a lot of guys right now that he can throw out there that I'm not sure <laughs> he, he knows who's uh, the clear, obvious guy in a rotation in, when you're looking at like George for Sexton versus Clarkson, obviously you want to get your younger guys out there. Um, but you know, so two young frisky teams, two teams that will miss the plan will not have top picks, but at least they have some things to be looking forward to between what they have on the roster and just from an asset perspective, what they have moving forward. So the next tier we have here, we have the directionless teams this is the Atlanta Hawks the Chicago Bulls the Toronto Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets these four teams all in the Eastern Conference some of which will probably make the play-in uh, some of which will not it doesn't really matter none of them are likely to make the playoffs maybe the Hawks or Bulls could sneak in in the right matchup in a play-in but even if they do what's the point what's the point you're going to make the playoffs lose in probably five games to a uh, top Eastern Conference contender, 
and be in the exact same spot you were a year ago. So these are the teams that I don't really know what they're doing. The Raptors, you could have argued in the tier below this, but, you know, they just traded a first-round pick for Kelly Olynyk, so it's hard for me to <laughs> say they don't have a direction because I'm not sure they do have a direction. They've made bad move after questionable move after head-scratching move over the last five years or so. The Bulls, are, um, I've already talked a little bit about them and just the baffling decision to not trade anybody at the deadline. They're probably going to lose to Rosen in the offseason for nothing. Zach Levine is a damaged asset at this point. I'm not sure they're going to be able to get anything for him. Busevich is getting up there in age. The bright side is Kobe White has looked pretty good this season, though I'm not really sure still like what kind of role he is best suited for. Not really a true point guard. Uh, a little undersized and frail to play two guard full time. Um, maybe best as a six man. Could still be a hot take. I don't know. He's still getting better. He's still very young, but uh, that's encouraging at least. <laughs> um, the Hawks... I get why they didn't trade Murray. They've got time to trade him. He's got years of control. They any if they didn't have a deal they didn't like, then they can move him in the offseason. So I totally understand that. The Trey Young rumors are swirling. If I were them, I would not trade Trey Young. I still think he is someone worth building around and picking Murray over him is questionable at best in my opinion. It might just be from an asset perspective. They want to reset and they're going to get more for Trey Young than they would for Murray, which is definitely true, but Regardless, they have some good pieces. Jalen Johnson has been awesome this year. Um, just <laughs> huge breakout season for him. He could be in the discussion for most improved. Um, Clint Capella is getting up there in age, but Okongwu has looked good this season, extending his range a little bit offensively. And they've got some salvageable pieces, but they don't have control of uh, multiple of their picks at this point. They have two, uh, if you want to call them even star players, I wouldn't even call Murray that at this point, but two supposed stars that don't play very well together both of which have not played much defense over the past few seasons they're clunky offensively and they got to figure that out um the raptors i i know i just said stuff on them but they got a weird roster too i don't know what they're going for um scotty barnes is a really really good player to have from an asset perspective and just someone to build around so at least they've got that going for them but outside of him i don't like much about this team uh, in terms of the fit, the pieces they have, um, they still do not have a lot of shooting. Um, they still don't have a lot of ball handlers. Uh, they've just got a bunch of guys that are okay. <laughs> and they keep trading away picks, and I don't know why they're doing it. Uh, the Nets are in probably the toughest position because they don't own any of their picks, but they have all Phoenix's picks, and they've got this just sad roster of probably all role players um, weird fits. I mean, Cam Thomas, a guy who biggest black hole in the NBA can get you 30 any night, but could also go over 12 Ben Simmons, who could put up a triple double any night, but doesn't play very often and is a total zero as a scoring threat offensively. Mikhail Bridges, who has been, uh, a little disappointing this year compared to what, uh, the flashes he showed last season. And, He's kind of proving that he probably was in a, a better role for himself in Phoenix than he has been in Brooklyn. Probably somewhere in between is where he really should be because he really didn't have much. Uh, he, he didn't have a long leash in Phoenix. He didn't dribble much. He wasn't creating shots at all, and he can do some of that. So doing a little sprinkling a little bit of that in with the role he was in in Phoenix is probably what he's meant for. But as a number one option, clearly he's not that. 
And so they have no incentive to be bad because they don't have their picks. But in my opinion, I think you just take the loss. You can't make a bad decision because you're trying to salvage a previous bad decision. So to me, I would just I would I would have just sold more of their players off. Um, total fire sale. Get bad. If if you tr- get give those picks to Houston, it is what it is. You know you already made the deal. There's no point in trying to be mediocre right now just to so your picks don't <laughs> look as bad when you give them to the Rockets um, when it, it's going to be the same timeline from a rebuild perspective anyway so you might as well get more assets for the guys you have but yeah these four teams they don't have a clear direction I don't really know where they're headed um, but <laughs> they're kind of stuck in no man's land they're not going to get a top five pick unless they get lucky in the lottery and even if they somehow snuck into the playoffs, it's a it's for nothing because they have no chance to do anything once they're there. So next we have four teams. This is the tier I call non-serious playoff teams. Teams that have been in playoff contention all season long. Um, they have a really good shot of making the playoff. Two of these teams are pretty much locks to make the playoffs at this point. Two of them have been in the playoffs all year. But the West has 10 teams that are fighting for eight spots. So would I be shocked if these two teams in the West didn't make it? I would not be shocked. In fact, I think that they may unfortunately find themselves as the odd teams out. But we'll see. There's a lot of uh, game left. And if they end up as the seven or eight seed, then obviously at least one of them will end up making it. And um, one of them is out of the plan entirely right now in the five seed. So These teams are the Indiana Pacers, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Sacramento Kings, and the Orlando Magic. Um, All four of these teams, in my eyes, they're either a piece away or a year away or even a couple years away. Like uh, the Magic, I think they're a couple years away from being like anything serious. Do I think next year they could add a guard and be a top four seed? Yeah, probably. But I I still wouldn't put them in like a contender um, category quite yet. Paolo has been awesome. I'm a, I'm probably the biggest Paolo stand there is out there. I've been on him since the draft. Even when he was favored to go third um, back in his draft, I was the number one person saying that he should go first overall, that he is the best player in the draft. Um, and it, it's looked like that is probably the case thus far. Uh, he's just been super special. He's so – he's huge, Two, 6'10", 250 but he's got such good control with the ball. Great ball handler. Gets to the rim at will. Um, great touch in the uh, paint and in the short mid-range. Um, he's improved tremendously from outside as a shooter this season compared to his rookie year. He still has not been the most efficient um, overall. But again, it's his second season. The guy's 21 years old or something at this point. So he's got lots of time to continue to improve. So I... I I really love just their future, if not just because him, but I also am a big Franz Wagner fan. Um, really good, just all-around guy. Averages about 25 and 5. He's pretty efficient from the field. Not elite at any one thing, but just damn good at everything. You know what I mean? So, But they have probably the worst guard rotation in the entire NBA. So they've got no chance to even, like, take a good team to seven games or something like that to me because their guard rotation is just a total mess. Um, Anthony Black has shown flashes this year. Fultz has not been quite as good as he was last year when he had a really solid year, but regardless, his jump shot is still very, very broken. 
Um, Jalen Suggs has had a really nice year as a, a role player, and I I really like him as like a secondary guard um, to complement a, a lead guard, a, like a Marcus Smart type guy. I think he could be really good in that role, but a little better decision maker than Marcus Smart um, and a little bit more efficient overall than Marcus Smart, especially if his three-point shooting this year is not a uh, aberration. But they need a guard, whether it be a Donovan Mitchell type or even like a, I know they've been linked to Clay Thompson, a uh, Zach Levine. All these guys would help them. I really think they need someone who's a ball handler as well, so not just a Clay Thompson type who can knock down shots, but someone who can run the office offense a little bit and take the pressure off of Paolo and Franz. But regardless, bright future for them. Uh, but they're obviously not going to make much noise this year at all. Um, same thing with the Pacers, I think. And I, if you'd asked me this like a, a month ago, I might have had a different answer for the Pacers. I could have, I could have seen them definitely winning a playoff round, but even like giving a tough second round matchup to someone. But I just think the rest of the teams in the East have gotten better. Obviously Cleveland's continued to play super well and New York made a lot of additions. So they seem like kind of the odd team out in terms of uh, winning in the first round. They're going to have a tough matchup regardless of who they play, but also Halliburton just since his injury, he's been banged up and he hasn't looked quite as dominant as he did earlier in the year. So he's probably playing hurt. And that definitely fact factors into my opinion of this team. Also, they've been trying to integrate Siakam on the fly. The minutes with Siakam and Halliburton have been really good thus far, but it's still tough when you add a guy who's so integral to your team midseason like that. Um, and I still think they're probably another impact guy away from being like a legitimate scary team to play in the playoffs. So um, they might just be a victim of the East getting stronger overall. Um, the Pelicans, they're the five seed right now, and they've won eight of their last nine games. Zion has looked good. Ingram's been very solid all season long. Uh, McCollum's having one of his best shooting seasons. They've gotten big contributions from uh, younger guys like uh, Dyson Daniels, Trey Murphy, Herb Jones. So th there's a lot to like about this team. I'm just a little scared off by a few things. One is just durability. I mean, Ingram and Zion have both been pretty healthy this season, but that has not been the case through most of the past couple years. So I'm just scared that one of them could get hurt at any time, if not both of them. Um, I also don't love, love their guard rotation. I think McCollum is better as an off guard, but he's been forced to play point guard on this team because they just don't really have another guy who can run the offense like that. And they're also just really inconsistent. I mean, you see some nights they go out and bully uh, another team because they've got size, athleticism, um, speed. And then other nights they just look totally beatable and they're not making shots. And uh, it, I don't know. I just haven't seen the consistency out of them. I also haven't seen them. Uh, they've only made the playoff once in this version of the team. Uh, and they were an eight seed and they only got in because the play in. They had a losing record that season by a good amount. And Zion's never even played a playoff game. So it's just, they're just too unproven for me to have any faith in them really at all. Um, and so I, I just think they're not a team that's really a threat, um, even though they could hypothetically have a high ceiling if everything clicked. But I just think the West is too tough, and this year's going to be a, 
a year where they probably could make the playoffs and lose first round. Um, but it, it, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I mean, it's a stepping stone for them to continue to improve and figure out kind of what, what they want to do moving forward, whether that be trading one of in- Ingram or Zion or keeping both or upgrading the McCollum spot or consolidating some of their depth. I don't know. They've got a lot of options. Then going to the Kings. They have not played well recently. Um, <laughs> they are down to the eight seed right now, I believe. Um, and they have just Fox hasn't played well, uh, at least as not as well as he did early in the year, as not as well as he did last year. And I just I'm anyone who heard or read anything that I said preseason, I was out on the Kings this year. I thought they'd regress. I picked them to miss the playoffs. You ask me right now, I would still pick them to miss the playoffs. Um I just don't think that their success from last year was super replicable for a couple of reasons. One, and probably the most importantly, the West is just a lot better this year. I mean, they were the three seed last year, and they didn't even win 50 games. I mean, they're in the 47, 48 range, I think. And they could win that amount again this year and be like the six or seven seed. So it's just a tougher conference this year. Um, But also, I expected regression from their offense. They had like the best offense of all time last year. They do not have the best offense of all time this year. They were also really bad defensively last year. They've been a little bit better this year, but still not good. Um, so I, if they're going to have a not very good defense and a not elite offense, I just don't know what their calling card really is. Um, Sabonis in the playoffs still scares me in terms of just his lack of impact on the defensive end and his lack of ability to shoot. Um, and then outside of their top two guys, there's not really a ton of people I trust. I mean, Harrison Barnes is not a guy that I'm going to be scared of as an opposing team getting open shots. Kevin Herter was awful in the playoffs last year. Keegan Murray showed flashes, but again, he's still kind of a, a work in progress in terms of offensive creation and development there, but he has had a good year overall. But I just, I'm not a, I'm not in on the Kings. I haven't been on in the Kings. I will continue to be out on the Kings. I don't think they're a serious playoff team. I think they could sneak into the playoffs as a six or seven seed, eight seed, and they would lose. I just, I don't think there's a single team in contention for the playoffs in the West that I would pick the Kings to beat in a series. I think I would literally have them losing no matter who they're matched up against. So, um, yeah, non-serious playoff team. Uh, Pacers, Pelicans, Kings, and Magic, like I said, either a piece away or a year away for all of these teams. Up next, we have the tier called First Round Nightmare. These are two teams that have put themselves in quite a hole uh, and really have no chance of getting a top four seed at this point. They will almost assuredly not have home court advantage in the first round, and there's extremely high likelihood that both of these teams actually finish the season in the plan and will have to fight their way into the postseason. And they're both playing better recently, but it's really just a product of the hole that they put themselves in. And that is the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers. They currently, right now, sit as the 9 seed and the 10 seed in the Western Conference. So they actually would play each other um, in the first game of the play-in. But the Lakers are 30-27, and 27, the Warriors are 28-26. and 26. And so the reason they're in the tier called first round nightmare is because they're going to be a nightmare for a team in the first round, most likely. And that's because of the championship pedigree and experience that these teams have. LeBron James has won four championships. Steph Curry has won four championships. Even Anthony Davis has won one with the Lakers. Draymond and Clay have four as well. So 
they're going to have a serious edge from an experience perspective any team they play in the first round. And it's very likely going to be one of the younger teams like Minnesota or Oklahoma City just based on where the standings lie right now. And so do either of these teams have a chance to make the finals? No, they don't. They don't. They're just not good enough. They haven't been good enough all season. They have clear flaws on their rosters. Their star players are not quite what they used to be. Uh, just in terms of being able to carry lesser teams. Uh, LeBron has shown signs of some decline. Draymond and Clay are clearly not the players they used to be. Steph is still very good, but even he's had a little bit of a down year this year. So they're in this tier because they can give a real scare to a top two seed and probably win a round that they maybe shouldn't have, just like the Lakers did last year when they beat the Grizzlies as the seventh seed and like the Warriors did last year when they beat the Kings as the sixth seed. But to think that either of these teams have real championship aspirations and could contend and make a deep run, it's just not realistic this season. Neither of them just, they don't have the juice this year. So starting with the Lakers, I was not as high on the Lakers coming into the season as a lot of other people were. People thought they were legitimate finals contenders, not only finals contenders, championship contenders. I thought that their offseason was not very good. I didn't think anybody they added was an impact player for sure. It's a lot of lateral moves in my opinion. And I was concerned for the health of Anthony Davis and LeBron. They've been largely very healthy. But I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing when evaluating them considering they're only 30 and 27. They're the nine seed currently. They have been outside of the playoff picture for months now. Really since the in-season tournament they fell off a cliff. And those guys have been fully healthy, and Reeves has been fully healthy, and really the only person they haven't had for extended periods has been Gabe Vincent, and then uh, Vanderbilt missed some time to start the season, but they've largely been whole, and their rotations have been all over the place. Darvin Ham, I don't, do not think has done a very good job this season after I did give him a lot of praise last season, and they just, I don't think they have that many good players on their team. I'm not a Hachimura guy. I think Reeves is good, but he's a limited player, and he's been very exposed defensively throughout the season, more so than we saw last year. LeBron is just a little less consistent. He can't do it every single night. He's still so goddamn good when he's on. Um, but I'm not sure he can be on for three, four playoff rounds. We saw him on for two playoff rounds last year, but then they got swept in the conference finals. So who knows? Anthony Davis having a great season, but was wildly inconsistent in the playoffs as well. So I haven't been a big Lakers guy, but look, any series you've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis and some semblance of a decent supporting cast, you got a chance in a, in a series. So I do not think the Lakers are going to make the finals. I don't think the Lakers are going to make the conference finals. I think they could make the second round in the right matchup, depending on who they play. If they get one of the younger teams like Oklahoma City or Minnesota, I think they've got a chance. And a lot of that is just based on experience, pedigree, um, and uh, the fact that they've been there before. And so it's just hard to rule out LeBron James, uh, especially when he's got an Anthony Davis next to him. So out of respect for those guys, I think they have a small chance. But hey, they could miss the playoffs legitimately. <laughs> so. And so could the Warriors, honestly. So, And moving over to them, I been low on them all year I have not believed I think Steph is still phenomenal Clay is a shell of himself he's totally washed he does nothing to contribute except for when he's making shots but he's not making them frequently enough to have an impact 
Draymond, I was concerned about his off the court stuff, or sorry, I guess on the court stuff that has <laughs> forced him to be uh, suspended. But then he's come back and look, they've looked really good with him. Um, and then Wiggins started the year terrible. He's been a little bit better, but they haven't needed him as much because Kaminga has been playing the best basketball of his career. Brandon Pajemski has been a just total steal for them uh, from this past year's draft and looks like not only a guy that could be a seriously really high-level starter in his career, but a impact contributor now as a rookie. So they've got a lot of guys, and th- the problem for them has just been finding the right rotation and mixing and matching guys in the right combination. And I think Curry's starting to do that a little bit better. They moved Clay to the bench in favor of Pods, which I think was a very good move. Kaminga is getting a little bit more of the um, offensive touches and shots as he should. Um, and then they've stepped away from the Clay and Wigginses of the world a little bit, which has been good for them as well. They've been playing better defensively than they were earlier in the year. And it's hard to, I mean, they got Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Steve Kerr. That group of four. They, they've lost to one non-LeBron James team in the playoffs since their first championship. So again, it's really hard to sit here and say that they can't have a chance against any team. Last year, they looked equally mediocre basically all season long. And then they went into game seven in Sacramento and completely dominated versus a more inexperienced team. And could they do that again? Probably. I think they could. If they're playing the Thunder... Look, the, thun- the one thing that can maybe bother the Warriors is size, which is what the Lakers did to totally neutralize them in the playoffs last year. A team like Oklahoma City, they don't have size. So they don't really have that thing to combat the Warriors' strengths. And so could the Warriors knock off the Thunder? It's possible. I'm not going to rule it out. It, I, out of respect for that group, respect for the dynasty they've had, respect for Steph Curry in particular, and Draymond Green to an extent defensively, I got to say they have a chance. They have a small chance. But I have significant hesitancy, not only for the Warriors, but also for the Lakers, just in terms of making a conference finals, for example. I just don't see it. I don't see them winning two rounds. These teams have just not been consistent enough, not been good enough. A lot of their guys seem a little too past their prime or just the, the role players haven't performed or there's injury risk or... They are undersized in the Warriors' case, poor guard play in the Lakers' case. There's just too many things that could go wrong, and they'd need a lot to go right to have a chance to win more than a round. So that's probably where they peak out is just an upset victory in the first round. So now we move to some of the better teams. This next tier, and I think this is going to be a little controversial in terms of the order of my next two tiers. This tier, I have the regular season darlings. And this group of teams, they've been really good this season. Just extremely solid all year long. Great regular season teams. They all have very good records. They've been consistent. They were good to start the year. They've been good throughout the year. They've been playing well now. Um, But unfortunately, none of them have really proven anything in the playoffs at this point. And that's why I'm a little concerned um, about them just in terms of contenders like I said at the beginning of this podcast this is not who's had the best year this is not who's the best team this is who do I think can contend at a high level in the postseason the best and these four teams I have my doubts 
and that is the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the New York Knicks, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. All four of these teams, like I said, they've been great all year long. Minnesota has been basically the one seed the entire season. Uh, the Cavaliers are now the two seed. They've won, I think, 18 out of 20 games or something like that. The Knicks have just been very solid all year long. Ever since the Ananobi trade, they were playing super well before he got a little banged up and has been out. And then the Thunder have been top three, four uh, seed all season long as well. So on in a vacuum, you'd think that these teams should be higher on this list. I mean, there's a lot of teams I haven't named yet that are have been much worse than these teams to this point. But I just I want to go through some of my reservations I have with each of these groups. I want to start with the Thunder. Um, they are just really young, really, really young. And the lack of experience, I know people talk about this a lot, but it's a thing. It's significant. So, I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in, since the 2020 COVID year with Chris Paul. So I actually went back and looked at how many teams have ever missed the playoffs two consecutive seasons and then without adding an all-star went to the conference finals. And since the NBA-ABA merger in 1976-1977, only three teams ever have accomplished that. One was actually the 2021 Hawks. Uh, from a couple years ago, uh, and that was a weird team. Uh, I an an outlier team. I mean, I don't think anybody would sit here and say that team was a final, a top four team in the entire league that season. And look what they've done since. They've made been in the playoff play in every single season. Um, they have failed to win a playoff series, and they've been basically five hundred for years. So I think that was a fluke. I don't think that team is a if you're trying to say, well, the Thunder could do it if they did it, well, I don't think that's a team that's you're going to look back on and be like, we want to replicate what they did because it was it was just a, a fluke here. Um, the second team who has done it, the 2007 Utah Jazz, similar thing. It was a bit of a fluke. They only made it because the, I believe, Warriors knocked off the 60-win Mavericks in uh, the first round. And so the Jazz got the eight seed warriors in the second round. So like, of course they were going to win that series. It was, it was really just a product of the bracket. I'm sure they would have lost to Dallas. If they had ended up winning, they would have lost to the Lakers or the Spurs or anybody else on the other side of the bracket. Um, so a fluke year as well that the jazz made it. And then the only other one is the 2002 Celtics, um, who had Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. Um, and, I mean, that one seems a little more legitimate, but the East was just bad back then. That was like the worst couple years of any conference, probably in NBA history. I mean, some of those teams that were making the finals of the East back then, like the Nets with Jason Kidd shooting 38% from the field, the Pacers with Reggie Miller. Um, it, it was just a really weak conference. So, um, But again, even if you want to say those three teams deserved every bit of their conference finals appearance, those are only three teams in the history of the NBA since the merger that have accomplished what the Thunder would be looking to do by making a conference finals run. And all three of those teams lost in the conference finals, and none of the three even came close to contending after that. So I don't think any of them are fair comparisons to this team. And I know that this Thunder team gets compared to the previous one with Duran and Harden and Westbrook um, a ton because they made the finals in 2012 when they were super young. But... People need to remember that that team, <laughs> they had made the playoffs two years in a row before they made the finals. They won 50 games in 2010, 
and lost first round. They made they won 55 games in 2011 and lost in the conference finals. And then in 2012, um, they won 47, but it was the shortened lockout season, so they would have really had close to 60 wins. Um, and they lost in the finals. So the point is, they took their playoff lumps. They did. They had lost twice in the playoffs with that same group already. Um, and they had won 50 games plus the two seasons before they made the finals. And this Thunder team just has none of that. They have almost no playoff experience. SGA has played in two playoff series. He lost both of them. Both of them, he was not close to the player he is right now. Um, he when the With the Clippers, he was a rookie. And that team only made the playoffs because they had uh, had a better record earlier in the season before trading away Blake Griffin. And so they snuck into the playoffs, uh, similar to what the Nets did last year after trading Kevin Durant. Um, then with the Thunder... Uh, SGA was not the first option. Chris Paul was. He was arguably not even the second option because Gallinari was um, close to 20 points per game on that team as well. So that role versus what he has now, totally different. I'm not saying SGA's success won't translate to the playoffs. I'm just saying that when you're number one on the scouting report versus number two or three, it's a completely different story in terms of the experience in the playoffs. Then you look at the rest of the roster. Josh Giddy never played in a playoff series. Chet Holmgren is a rookie. He's not hasn't even played through a whole season yet. Jalen Williams never played in a playoff series. Other Jalen Williams never played in a playoff series. Isaiah Joe never played in a playoff series. Um, Lou Dort played in one playoff series, and it was the first round series in the bubble. And again, that was his rookie season. So it's been a while, and he <laughs> he played one series, and he was a rookie. So about as minimal experience you could have for someone who has made the playoffs. And then Gordon Hayward, you could say, oh, well, they just added him. He's more experienced. Well, he's probably played a lot less in the playoffs than you think. He's got 29 games. He's only played in seven series, and he's 33 years old at this point. In Utah, he got out of the first round only one single time and got swept in the second round. And then in Boston, most of their deep runs happened without him. In 2018, when they made the conference finals, he didn't play. 2019... They lost second round, and then 2020, he didn't play the entire second round and was a non-factor in the conference finals as well. So they just don't have the experience. And like I said, it is completely, utterly unprecedented for a team to go from not making the playoffs for multiple years to the conference finals. And I just, I'm not... I'm not saying that they're not a good team. They're a great team. They're super talented. They're very young. They're going to be extremely good for the next five, if not 10 seasons with the um, young talent they have and all the assets they have to add around it. Um, But I'm not going to, I'm not going to ignore history. And so I just don't see them being a team that can overcome 50 years of uh, NBA history. So I also don't love that they don't didn't add a center at the deadline, so I'm a little wary of their size. They're going to have to play bigger teams like Minnesota, um, Denver, the Lakers. All of these teams are going to be able to bully them because I think while Chet is a extremely good and versatile defender, he's obviously frail, and they don't have a lot of other guys around him to be able to um, support him there. Then moving to Minnesota. They're probably the team in this group that I – have the most confidence in, but I'm still just really hesitant on a couple fronts. One, they're not going to have the best player in basically any series they play in the playoffs. If they play the Thunder, SGA will be the best player. If they play the Suns, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker will be the top two best players. 
They play the Lakers. LeBron or Anthony Davis will probably be the best player. They play Denver. Jokic will be the best player. If they play the Clippers, Kawhi will be the best player. If they play Dallas, Luka will be the best player. They play Golden State, Steph will be the best player. So uh, as much as I I love Anthony Edwards, and he gets a, a lot of love, and he deserves most of it, but he he's still a tier below those guys. Like He's not quite that perennial, no-brainer, all-NBA production and efficiency uh, and talent to this point. He's been really, really good. Don't get me wrong. Very good. He's the best player on this team the number one seed in the West basically all season long. But anyone who thinks that he's on the tier of a, a Booker or an SGA or a Tatum or a Kawhi or any of those guys, like, he's just not. He's a tier below, and it's okay. He's still so goddamn young that it's okay. It's not a knock on him. Like I said, I'm just talking about this season. Two, three years from now, that might not be the case anymore. But he just hasn't quite taken that leap, and he still has a little bit of some, like, Late game, bad decision making, takes bad shots, uh, little stuff he needs to work out, I think. And once he does that, I think that it's going to really elevate him probably to that level that I'm talking about. But for right now, I just don't think that he's really there yet. Um, Also, Carl Anthony Towns has been just not very good in the playoffs to this point. And he has a lot of that same sort of low IQ makes turns the ball over at like the worst time possible, just doesn't have his head in the right space in the most important moments. I mean, the guy got benched in a game he had 60 points in. If that tells you anything. So I I get really worried about him in big situations in the postseason as well. So you got two guys who are kind of immature players, questionable basketball IQ at times, and then you throw in Rudy Gobert who – all the flowers to him. He's been awesome this season. He has silenced basically all of the doubters who were shitting on him in that trade last season. He's the front runner for Defensive Player of the Year, and rightfully so. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion, and he's having a great year. And he could have made the All Star team, and would have I wouldn't have batted an eye at it. But we haven't seen it in the playoffs. We just haven't seen it, and I'm I'm just worried. I mean, we've seen him in the playoffs a bunch. And he's gotten exposed almost every single time. Any t- any team that has like elite guard play has just eaten him alive. I mean, Luca and honestly, Luca didn't even play in that series for the whole time. But Brunson tore him up when they played uh, in his last season in Utah. He's been totally destroyed by the Clippers in the past with Paul George and Kawhi when they went small ball. He has been extremely exposed against the Harden led Houston Rockets as well. So it's just like how many times do we have to see it before that's probably what we know is going to happen. So I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but it's a concern for me. So it's just a lot of things, a lot of things to add up. The Gobert worries in the playoffs, Ant being a little tier below the other top stars on the Western Conference contenders. And then Carl Anthony Towns just making Bodenhead decisions late. And then you got Mike Conley, who has been great this year, but... They're, they've just been asking a lot from him given his age um, and just the mileage he's put on himself at this point. Jaden McDaniels as well. He, I'm a big McDaniels fan, but do I absolutely trust trust him to make a big open three-pointer in the playoffs? Maybe. Maybe. Not sure. We'll see. Uh, and and I don't love, love a ton of what they have off the bench after Nas Reed. Um 
I mean, they traded some depth to get Monte Morris. I like him as the backup point guard, but their wings, Kyle Anderson has not been very good this season. Um, Nikhil Alexander Walker has been, he's had a career year uh, this year um, for them, but I don't know. There's just a lot of question marks for me, and I'm not sure that I'm going to pick them over a more experienced team with better star power, Um, but but they're going to be the one seed, most likely. We'll see. Top two, at least. And so I, I'm sure they'll probably win at least a series. I'm just talking about making a deep run. That's what these tiers are about. Could I see them making the finals? Could I see them winning a championship? And quite honestly, the answer to both those questions is, is just no. I, I, I can't see it this season. Um, moving to the East teams, the Cavaliers, they have been playing better basketball than any team in the league. For the past month and a half or so, two months, they've just been not losing games. And it's really impressive what they've been doing. They've been totally elite on defense. They've been playing much better than they had earlier in the season offensively. They have Garland and Mobley back. Their wing rotation is much improved from last season with Max Drews, George's Niang. Um, They still have Levert and uh, Okoro there as well. Um, Sam Merrill has been a revelation shooting the basketball for them as well. Um, and Donovan Mitchell's having another career year. Uh, Jared Allen was in the conversation to make the all-star team this season and rightfully so, cause he's played so well on both ends of the floor and now they're just getting Mobley and Garland back and those guys can just need to fit in. You know, there's less pressure on them right now cause they were already playing so well without them that they just kind of need to come in and contribute where they can. But even with all that, I <laughs> I cannot shake that playoff series last year out of my head. It was it was so concerning. They just got absolutely pummeled and bullied by the Knicks, and the Knicks look better this year. So if they're playing in a series this year, am I supposed to pick the Cavs? Like how are you how are you going to look at that series and see what the the Knicks have now and say, yeah, Cleveland should win this series. And if they're not playing the Knicks, who are they playing? They're going to play the Bucks. The I don't know if I'm going to pick them in that series. I mean, I know Milwaukee's had their struggles, but I they got a better roster and more experience and more star power than Cleveland does. Um, even a team like the Pacers, like I'm not, I'm not certain that Cleveland would beat Indiana. Um, and then Miami, we know what they can do. So I don't know. I just if they're the two seed, they're probably going to win a series, but. Th- I don't see much after that. I don't see how they're going to be any of the t- other top four seeds in the East right now because I just, that series totally rubbed me the wrong way <laughs> and I can't get it out of my head. I can't. And hey, look, they might they might play the Knicks first round and dominate them and then play Milwaukee tough in round two and then maybe, I'll, and then I'll, I'll concede. I'm happy to concede. But for right now, I just don't, I want to see it first, and that might be a bad reason, but I just want to see it before I can believe it for this team. And then with the Knicks, uh, they beat the Cavs last year in the playoffs, but they they got a real star power deficiency, in my opinion. Brunson has been truly phenomenal this season. Just great. He's a deserved all-star he should make all nba as of right now and unless things change he gets hurt or other players emerge but he's been that good he's been a top 15 player this season he has um but again just like i said with anthony edwards he's not going to be the best player in almost any series he plays like 
if he plays Boston, Tatum's better. If he plays Milwaukee, Giannis is better. If he plays the Sixers and Embiid is playing, then Embiid's better. If he's playing the Cavs, I personally think Donovan Mitchell is having an probably even better year than Brunson and has more, much more of a track record. So I think Mitchell's a better player in that series as well. If they play Indiana, like uh, Halliburton is probably better than him in my opinion at this point. I think Jimmy Butler in a playoff setting is better than Brunson. So I just think that they're not going to have the best player in any series they play. They might not even have the the better second best player in any series they play either because Randall has been so bad in the postseason, arguably the worst postseason high-volume player in NBA history compared to guys like Jalen Brown, Dame Lillard, Tyrese Maxey, Pascal Siakam, Bam. Like, There's a lot of really good second options in the East too, and I don't know if Randall is going to be able to outplay those guys. So if they don't have the the better first best player or the better second best player. It's just really, really tough to win a series. I know they're deep as hell. They got a lot of shooters, a lot of defenders, a lot of wings. Their big men have played phenomenal this season, particularly Hartenstein since Mitchell Robinson went down. But I just think star power wins more often than not in the playoffs. I mean, depth is great for the regular season. It helps you win a lot of games, but come playoff time, when you're playing the same team potentially seven straight times in a row, it's just really tough to re- rely on depth to win that series for you. I mean, look at a team like the Atlanta Hawks in 2015, just as deep as they came. One one through five was the best starting lineup in uh, the league that season, but they just didn't have the star power to compete with the other teams once they got against the big dogs like uh, the LeBron-led Cavs. So. I'm wary of the Knicks. Uh, I just think Jalen Brunson would maybe be the worst best player to make a finals in recent memory, maybe the 04 Pistons, but that might even be a little disrespectful to Chauncey Billups, and he put some respect on his name as well, uh, Mr. Big Shot. But just think about it. I mean, you need like a top five-ish, top at least top ten guy to make the finals. Like any team has at least had a guy you could convince was maybe top ten. Um, and then like the only outliers are teams like maybe, uh, <laughs> the heat with like a Jimmy Butler, but he plays at a top 10 level without a doubt in the postseason. And is Brunson going to do that? I'm not sure about it. Um, so I, I just, it's hard for me to get over the hump with them. I think all of these teams, Minnesota, Oklahoma city, the Knicks, the Cavs, they've been so good this season. And I'm not trying to take away anything from them by saying this, but I just, am. I want to see it first. These are the prove-it teams to me. Go out there and make a conference finals and prove me wrong. Go out there and knock off one of the top contenders and prove me wrong. But until they do that, I'm just going to not quite be there until I see them do it, um, and then I might come around on it. So. So up next, we have the tier that I'm calling Puncher's Chance. Look, none of the teams in this group have been great this season. Um, they are scattered all over the standings they've had varying degrees of disappointment underperformance rotation question marks injuries whatever you may have um but i just can't rule any of them out for one reason or another they've got a chance against anybody and when i say i can't rule them out I think you can rule them out to win the championship i don't really think any team in this tier can win the whole thing but more what I'm saying is that I think any team in this tier could beat almost any other team in a series. Like in a one seven game series, 
could they knock off a team that's got a better record or had a better season or is better on paper? Or could they make a run to the conference finals? And would I be shocked? No. Do I think some of these teams could maybe in some off scenario sneak into the finals? Maybe. But I don't think it's likely. I think that the teams in this tier are like worse teams than the teams in the tier I just did, the regular season darlings with the Wolves, Thunder, Knicks, and Cavs. I think all those four teams are like they've had better seasons than these teams. They're probably better teams than these teams. And look, does that mean I'm picking these teams over the regular season darlings in a series for sure? No. I actually think that there's probably a good chance that the teams in the tier below this would beat the teams in this tier in a series more often than not. But again, I'm not talking about a series. I'm talking about making a run. Who can contend for, for the finals? And I think these teams have a better chance at that than the other teams, even if they wouldn't be favored in a series against them, even if they might lose in a series against them. I'm not talking about who's more likely to win their first-round series or make the second round. I'm talking about who's more likely to make a deep run. And these teams are the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Dallas Mavericks. Starting off with the Heat. They have looked just extremely mediocre in mid this season. But we said the same thing last year. Last year, at this time, on this exact date, Miami was 32-27, and and they were the 7th seed. Today, they are 30-25. and Basically, the exact same record. Slightly better record. Um, and they're the 8th seed. And so, they've been inconsistent. They've been terrible in the 4th quarter of this season. They haven't played particularly well since the Rozier trade. And they just haven't looked good, if we're being quite frank. But we say this every year. I just can't. I'm not going to sit here and act like we didn't do this exact same thing last season. So I'm not going to rule them out. It's really hard to. On paper, they might even look better than last season because, in theory, Tyler Hero will be fully healthy for the playoffs. So that's another shot creator and shooter and score that they just didn't have last year. Terry Rozier is an upgrade over Kyle Lowry, just in terms of offensive consistency and shooting as well. Bam and Jimmy Butler are basically the same as last year. You'd have to think going into the playoffs and then Caleb Martin, they still have Jaime Jaquez has been a very nice surprise. He should be able to replace basically whatever they got out of Struess, who actually did not shoot very well in the playoffs, despite what you might think after watching the games and they gave Vincent is gone, but again, Rozier should be able to make up that loss. They also have Josh Richardson, among other players. So at worst, they're like the same as last year, you'd think. But last year, they made the finals. So again, they were two minutes away from not even making the playoffs last year, and they still made the finals. So this is a team I will literally never rule out until <laughs> I see them lose that final game. And so it's just like... The Heat beat the Knicks in the playoffs last year. If Heat and the Knicks play again, I'm probably taking the Heat. I just am. I think the Heat have such a better chance to knock off like the Celtics than the Knicks do, or the Bucks, for example. They've literally gone five and two in the playoffs in this era versus Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Boston. They've beaten all three of them. They've beaten Milwaukee and Boston twice apiece. They've made the conference finals three of the last four seasons, including two finals appearances. And all of that was with teams that had similarly mediocre regular seasons. So 
anyone who's saying that they're dead is just clearly hasn't watched the past couple seasons. Uh, next, the Sixers. This is really all contingent on Embiid's health. I think that if Embiid was healthy, I would have him in the tier above this. But we don't know when he's coming back, and we don't know if he's coming back. And so it makes it really, really difficult to evaluate this team. And so I say they have a puncher's chance because part of that chance is just, is Embiid going to be healthy? Is he going to be able to play in the playoffs? Uh, and they might slide down to the 6-7 seed potentially with him out. So it's going to be a really tough road for them. If they can somehow stick in the 5 or 6 seed and avoid Boston or Milwaukee in the first round, then I think they got a chance if Embiid comes back is the point. I think they could beat Milwaukee in a series potentially if Embiid's fully healthy. Boston could be another story. I don't know. But I really like Nick Nurse in a series versus Joe Missoula versus Doc Rivers last year versus Joe Missoula. Um, so I, I just think Nurse is a huge upgrade. I think they don't have to worry about the Harden playoff woes. And as long as Embiid goes out there and does what we know he can do, I think they've got enough to make a conference finals run and maybe sneak into the finals if everyone was healthy and um, they're playing to the best of their abilities. Because we know Embiid obviously hasn't played as well as he can in the playoffs compared to the regular season. So they've got a chance. And that's what this tier is all about. They have a chance. Next, I'll go to Dallas. They have played really well recently. They've won seven in a row, including their win over the Suns last night. Um, they have the number one defense in the league over that span of their seven-game win streak. So they have played significantly better on that end of the court. Kyrie has finally put a string of healthy games together next to Luka. I might not have loved their mid-season additions from a value and asset perspective, but if we're talking in the context of just this year's team, they were upgrades. I think P.J. Washington, I really like him as an addition to this team, especially as an upgrade over Grant Williams. And then I, I've always been a huge Gafford fan. I think he's now probably the best backup center in the NBA. Him and Lively give them a really deadly duo to always have a strong rim-running uh, rim protector on the court at all times. And he's looked better with uh, <laughs> a better guard play than he did in Washington, which is no surprise considering uh, the guys he had on his team there. But I just think that like Luca just always gives them a chance. I mean, he plays out of his mind in the playoffs. He just always has. He lost a very hard-fought series to the Clippers twice. The first time went six games, but that was with Porzingis hurt. So that roster was had no business even taking them to six games. The second time, he went to seven against the Clippers. Again, a, a definitely worse roster than the Clippers, but the fact that they, he was even, even able to get it to game seven and how well he played and his stats were just absurd. So I, he's just been good in every series he's played. And that's not even to mention, obviously the sun series where he completely dominated Phoenix and, um, went into <laughs> their home court in game seven and completely demolished them. So he has elevated subpar rosters in the past, in the playoffs. And we have not, we really haven't seen a, playoffs where Luca's team didn't feel like they had a chance in the series except for probably Golden State when they lost in the conference finals but they were already in the conference finals and that was a stretch for that roster to even get there 
I think this roster is better than that roster because Jalen Brunson just wasn't what he is now back then, and Kyrie is still very quietly having a very good season, efficiently averaging 25 points a game. And he's a, can be a good defender at times, and I think they've got better defensive pieces around Luka than they had last year with Washington and Gafford and Lively. Um, Josh Green has been, played really well recently as well, so... I just think when you got Luka Doncic, you got a chance against anybody. And I literally mean anybody. Like, I would not pick them against Denver, obviously. But I think they have one of the better chances to beat Denver compared to other teams in the West. Just because they are one of the only teams that can play Denver and might have a chance to have the best player in the series. I think Jokic is better player, best player in the world right now. But for seven games, could Luka be the best player? Absolutely he can. And so... I think Dallas is a scary team to face come playoff time, especially if their defense is playing as well as it has been recently. If they're going to be a top 10 defense, then they're going to be a nightmare to play. To Luka's an entire offense all on his own, plus he's got a the best support supporting star next to him he's had um, in any of his playoff appearances. If they are playing well defensively, then they got a chance. They got a chance against anybody, seriously. And so the Mavericks, the Sixers, and the Heat, they've got a puncher's chance to beat any team. I don't think any of these teams could win a championship this season if we're being totally realistic, but they've got a puncher's chance against anybody. And could I see a conference finals run out of any of these teams? Absolutely. We've seen Miami make the finals. We've seen Dallas make a conference finals, and the Sixers have just been so close but not gotten over the hump so all of these teams could have a massive advantage in some way from a coaching perspective with Miami from a talent perspective with Luka and Embiid so we really have to take them seriously as scary opponents once uh, the postseason rolls around even for these top contenders but now I want to move to the group there's five teams remaining and these are the five teams that I think really have a shot uh two varying degrees, but if you ask me how many teams do I think could legitimately win the championship this season, I'd say five, and it would be these five. I think everyone that I've named so far has a chance to make a run um, in the past couple tiers, but I don't. I just don't think they've got four playoff series wins in them. So this next tier is the flawed threats tier, and this group is the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. These two teams clearly have flaws. Uh, Milwaukee has been kind of a mess all season on the defensive end of the court. They were winning in spite of their defense. They were been winning close games, so their record was maybe a little bit better than it should have been. And they fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin, and hired Doc Rivers, and they're now 3-7 and seven in the games that Doc has coached this team. And so they've looked really bad recently and they were a top two seed basically all season long. And since have sputtered a little bit down the standings, I believe they're the three seed now, but they're in real danger of falling to the four or maybe even five seed. If they don't pick up their play soon with all that said though, it is undeniable the talent and star power that this team has. Um, Giannis, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, They've been a really good team when those four have been on the court, and their depth is not phenomenal, but it's it's good enough, I think. I mean, I think Pat Bev was a good trade for uh, campaign for them. Uh, Bobby Portis has been a 
consistent playoff contributor for them over this era of Bucks basketball. Um, Connaughton's not had a good year, but we have seen him contribute in the past. They've got some young guys that have actually played pretty well in Andre Jackson uh, specifically. And I know the three and seven star under Doc is anything but good, obviously. But if you've watched, there's little things that they're working through that I think are going to pay off in the long run. So they're they have the 11th best defensive rating in the league over those 10 games after being in the 20s for most of the season, if not just the late teens. But they've been bad, 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 bad on that end. And they've been much better on that end. And you've seen them make more adjustments on that end in certain games. The reason they've been losing is because their offense has fallen off a cliff. They were top five all season long, and now they're 22nd offensively. So I don't think they're going to stay 22nd on offense all year long. I think they will get better there. But I think some of the defensive stuff is a little bit more translatable. I mean, they've been pretty solid defensively in the minutes with their top four guys. I mean, you have to remember, Brooke Lopez was second in defensive player of the year voting last year. Giannis has one defensive player of the year in the past, and he's still in his prime physically, so it's not like he has declined there or anything. I know Dame has not been great there. I know Malik Beasley is bad on that end of the court, and Middleton is still... He's really been ramping up from his injury all season long, and he's currently out right now because he sprained his ankle right before the trade deadline. Or sorry, the all-star break. But the point is, they've been passable on that end recently. Not even just passable. They've been pretty good on that end. And so if they can keep that up and get their offense back a little bit to what they had before and Doc can stop making <laughs> all these excuses and stuff, the Bucks are still a legit contender to me. They've got star power. They've got championship pedigree. They've got experience. They can go toe-to-toe with anybody. They have a top two player in the world right now. And next to him, they have a probably top 15 player uh, who, you know, Dame has not been great this year. His shooting numbers are down across the board. But I does that mean he's washed? It Maybe compared to what he was. But it also could just be, I know... I know this sounds silly, but he's going through a divorce off the court. He just got traded. There's been a lot of change recently, so it could legitimately just be him getting used to the system and a lot of off-the-court stuff going on. Um, so I'm not gonna, just going to sit here and be like, Dame sucks now, because he doesn't. We saw what he did in the All-Star game. I know there's no defense being played there, but the guy can still shoot the hell out of the ball and is one of the best shot creators we have in the entire league. And I think come playoff time, it's really going to pay off having him rather than Drew Holiday, especially in a half-court offense. So I know the Knicks have looked better recently. The Cavs have played much better recently. The Pacers have beaten this team like four times already. But I'm sorry, I'm not taking anybody in the East outside of Boston over the Bucks. I'm just not. They're, we've seen them win a championship with the majority of this core. They have at least a passable head coach now. They've looked much better defensively than they had to start the season. And they have a top five probably top two player in the world. So I'm just not going to sit here and act like none of that stuff matters. I know the approval rating on this team is about as low as it gets right now, but I have not wavered. I have said I will wait out the Bucks. I have never jumped ship on them as a team that is still a contender. I still believe they are, and a flawed one. That's why they're in the flawed threats <laughs> uh, tier, but they've got as good of a chance as anybody outside of Boston in the East right now, and I would pick them in any series except for against Boston right now. The other team, the Suns. The Suns have had a roller coaster season. They're currently 
the seventh seed, but they were the five seed going into their game last night. So they had actually been climbing up the standings after being in the plan picture for most of the season. But since their Christmas Day loss to Dallas, they are 19-8. and eight. And in that span, they have the ninth best defense in the league, the fifth best offense, the seventh best net rating. So they've been a really good team over the last uh, two months, really, almost. Um, a legitimately good team on both ends of the court. And a lot of that has to do with health. health. I mean, Bradley Beal has played the majority of that span. He did miss the past couple games with a hamstring thing, but I don't think it's supposed to be too serious based on what they're saying. I think he's listed as doubtful tonight, but it's good that he's not out. You know, he still had a chance to play. Um, but him being healthy paired with uh, Booker and Durant and Grayson Allen shooting the lights out of the ball this season, almost 50% from outside. Nurkic has legitimately been an upgrade over Aiton on both ends of the court. Aiton is probably a more versatile defender, but if you look at his uh, defensive metrics this year across the board, Nurkic's are significantly better. He's been a better rim protector, um, just better on that end all around. And then offensively, he's not the finisher inside that Aiton is, but he spreads the floor a little bit at least, which Aiton could not do. And he's also a significant upgrade as a passer, playmaker, and just a connector for this team that Aiton is one of the worst centers in the league in terms of uh, moving the ball and playmaking for others, whereas Nurkic is one of the best. So that's been doing wonders for them offensively. I also really like the addition of Royce O'Neal. Going into last night, he had a 106 defensive rating, which was first on the team. He led the team in plus-minus, and he'd shot 46% from three. So he'd been playing super, super well on both ends of the court for this team. He just gives them another guy they can trust, and that's really all they need. They got six guys they can trust with their Big three, Nurkic, Grayson Allen, and Eric Gordon. And then Royce O'Neal just adds a seventh, which is massive for them, especially come playoff time. So the concerns with this team have been their defense. Uh, they are 15th in the league right now, which is plenty good enough. I mean, Denver was 15th uh, last year when they won the championship. But the defense, the lack of continuity, there's just a lot of flat red flags people have thrown out about this team. But... It's all coming together a bit. And are they flawed? Yes. Do they have insurance after Nurkic in terms of size? No, not really. Do they have a true point guard to play when Booker is not on the court? No, not really. Do they lack a lot of size on the wing? Yes, they do. But, man, they got probably the best duo in the league, the two top ten guys. There's not another team who can say that. And they've got some really nice supporting players next to them. And a third guy who's as good of a uh, third fiddle offensively as any team has in the league right now. Say what you want about Bradley Beal. But he's a phenomenal third option for this group. And Frank Vogel is starting to figure some stuff out defensively. So are they flawed? Yes. Do they have the star power to beat anybody? I think so. Do they have the experience come playoff time? where it, they're going to be able to maybe take advantage of some of these more inexperienced teams. I think yes as well. Their coach has won a championship. Kevin Durant has won a championship. Devin Booker has made the NBA Finals. They've got a lot of experience on this team. If they can just get their reps up with their top three guys, continue playing this well defensively, I think they're going to be a nightmare to play come postseason time. But both of these teams, the Bucks and Suns, they're flawed. 
they're flawed. They should not be viewed as favorites by any means. They're secondary favorites. Um, but they are the biggest threats to knock off the top teams in the league. And while they are flawed, I do believe they have a chance to win a title this year if everything broke their way. Uh, but we will see <laughs> if those things happen. Then we get to the top tier here, the favorites. And this is no surprise, the three teams remaining, the Celtics, the Clippers, and the Nuggets. At this point, I'd be surprised if one of these three teams doesn't win the championship. I think they're by far the three most complete teams. They have an MVP caliber guy in Kawhi, Tatum, and Jokic. They have very good proven co-stars that have performed in the playoffs in Paul George, uh, Jalen Brown, and Jamal Murray. All three of them have just devastating five-man lineups that have been super good on both ends of the court with Boston's starting lineup of Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Porzingis. The Clippers with Harden, Terrence Mann, Paul George, Kawhi, and Zubats. And then Denver with their starting five from last season with Murray, Caldwell Pope, uh, Michael Porter Jr., Eric Gordon, and Nicole Jokic. Those are all, those lineups are three. If you go check the best five-man lineups in the league, those three have been in the top five all season long. And they've got a ton of minutes together. All three of them do. They both, or all three teams are very good on both ends of the ball. Um, the Celtics are first on offensive rating, third in defensive rating. They have an absurd plus 10 net rating. I mean, they're having one of the best regular seasons that we've seen uh, in the last 10 years or so for a team. Uh, could get up there to rival the Suns from a couple years ago and the Bucks in the bubble season before they uh, that season got cut short. They just there hasn't been much to talk about with them because they've just been so good on both ends that it's it's just going to come down to can they perform in the playoffs finally. Of course, they have their questionable half court struggles in the playoffs historically, but I think Marcus Smart contributed to that. He's no longer there. Uh, Drew Holiday should be an upgrade there. They have Porzingis, who's a legitimate third option, which they have not had in the past on nights where either one of or both of Brown and Tatum were struggling offensively. And I think Missoula was a little in over his head last year. He's been better this year. I think that the uh, a legitimate uh, assistant coaching staff has helped him, but also just another year under his belt. I mean, he did make the conference finals last year, was one game away from the uh, NBA finals. But the Celtics should be viewed as the overall favorite, I think, just because they've been so dominant on both ends. Their starting lineup is just, like I said, devastating. They've got a decent amount of depth. Um, and I'm not really sure what their weakness is. It's really just going to come down to can Tatum be a top three, four MVP best player in the world type player in the playoffs, which he has shown in spurts, but has not done consistently throughout his career. The one time he did make the finals, he was very bad. Um, his shooting numbers plummeted, uh, could not make anything inside the arc and had probably his worst playoff series of his career. So we'll see. Can he do it for four straight rounds? That's the question mark with them, really. That's the only one I have at this point. And then injuries for them because Porzingis, if he's out there, they're not going to win the title. And he's a, a fragile player, to say the least. <laughs> so we'll see with them. The Clippers, at this point, I'm kind of on the Clippers over Nuggets train. I think both are equal threats to a degree to come out of the West, but I kind of like the Clippers team a little bit better. I just think that 
their depth is better. I think Ty Lue has just done a phenomenally great job managing the egos of this team and putting them in position position to succeed with Russ coming off the bench. Um, I've liked what they gotten out of uh, Terrence Mann and some of their other role players, uh, even without playing guys like P.J. Tucker. They finally have a legitimate big rotation just outside of just Zubats and then play small ball, like between Mason Plumley and Daniel Tice. They've got options there, and that's really the first time that they've had those kind of options uh, in this era of uh, this team. And then Kawhi's just playing like one of the best players in the world. We know for a fact he can go four rounds and play like that. We've seen it before, so I feel very confident that he, if healthy, can <laughs> do that come playoff time this year as well. The really only question mark for this team is health. Can they stay healthy? They've been really healthy between Kawhi, Paul, George, and Harden. And Harden hasn't necessarily been not durable in the sense where he misses game, but he's been banged up a number of times throughout the last couple of years, especially in the playoffs, and that's hindered some of his performance. But also, he just hasn't played well in the playoffs. But I don't think he'll need to at all to the same degree with this team because he's the third option. He's never been the third option. And so I'm less worried about the whole Harden dynamic come postseason time because of that. I'm more concerned with their health, but they've looked healthy so far. It's If Kawhi or Paul George is out, then everything I've said right now is just a moot point. But as of right now, as currently constructed between Ty Lue running the show, them being an elite offensive team, a good enough defensive team, having three legitimate 20-point-per-game scorers, finally having a true point guard playmaker to set their uh, top two guys up. I just have loved everything I've seen out of this team. And you know what? Russ has actually played pretty well off the bench, too. He gives them some energy in some in some games that they really need it. Um, so he's kind of an X factor as well for them. And then Denver, it's you're not going to rule them out. I mean, they're, they're the favorites in the West. I think they should be the favorites. I know I said I prefer the Clippers, but that's that shouldn't be the common <laughs> opinion. That's just I, I like what I've seen out of them. But Denver's the defending champs. They've beaten the Clippers in the playoffs in the past with the presumed inferior roster. And they've got the best player in the world. They'd have the best player in the series, most likely, unless Kawhi goes uh, ballistic, which could happen. But, yeah, I mean, Denver is – there's no reason to believe, really, that they should be viewed as significantly weaker than last year. I don't love their bench. I'll say that the Christian Brown and – uh, experience has not been great, in my opinion. I think that they probably would have liked a little bit more offensive production from him. And then the Bruce Brown and Jeff Green losses are not insignificant. I mean, they haven't really had Peyton Watson has played well, but I'm not sure if his shooting can't hold up in the playoffs. He's going to be really tough to play. And then they don't really have anybody else. I mean, relying on DeAndre Jordan or Reggie Jackson is going to be really difficult. And outside of those guys, it's really just a bunch of rookies on this team. So I really would have liked them to make a deadline deal for another bench guy, but we'll see. Maybe I'll be proven wrong if some of these younger guys step up. But again, their starting five is as good as it gets, and we know what we're going to get out of them. Denver is not going to lose first round. Uh, <laughs> that's like the one thing I'm sure of in the Western Conference. I think a lot of these teams could beat a lot of other teams, but I know that they're at least going to be there towards the end, probably the conference finals. Unless they get in some weird seed scenario where they're playing the Clippers in round two, then I don't really see them finishing or losing before the conference finals. 
But it's going to be a really fun series if those two play. And I think it's probably going to be Boston versus the winner of whoever wins that series in the finals this year. And I think the Celtics should be the favorite based on their performance. But I wouldn't be shocked if either of the Clippers or the Nuggets beat Boston. And I think, like I said, I'd be surprised at this point if one of these three teams doesn't win the whole thing. And I'd be pretty surprised if either the Clippers or Nuggets don't represent the Western Conference at this point. And those three plus the Bucks and Suns are really the five that I see as having a chance to win it this season. Um, but then outside of that, I, I this idea that like 11, 12 teams could win the finals, that's never the case. And it's not the case this season. I know there's a lot of parity, but I just think you play this season out 100 times. I think the Celtics, Clippers, or Nuggets win the championship like 80 to 85 of those times. Then maybe the Bucks or Suns win it five to 10 times each or something like that. And that's going to do it for this episode. That is how I see the dynamic of the league right now in terms of contending teams. I think there's three clear, clear favorites that I'd be surprised if they don't win. There's two other flawed teams that are threats to win it, but more secondarily. And then I think there's about five teams that have a chance to at least make a deep run, but probably won't ever have enough to win the championship this season. But we are hitting the stretch run here. We've got a couple months left in the season, so it'll be very fun to see how the seeding shakes out. Um, if some of these struggling teams that have been in the plan can get up and out of the plan, if some of these teams that have been playing well all year end up falling down for injuries or uh, whatever reason. But I'm very much looking forward to seeing how things play out and could not be more excited for the playoffs to get starting uh, in just a couple months. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening, and I will chat with you soon.